Hello and welcome to Shot Selection for the week of November 22nd. How are you guys? We have whiteout conditions while we are filming this. I don't know what it is about this podcast. There's nothing else I do within the realm of school that gets interrupted as much as this podcast, which is crazy to me. And it's not like normal interruptions every single week. It's just weather advisories, power is going out, the wonders of living in rural Ontario, everybody. But I will say this. When the power went out last week, you know, it was my goal initially to record shot selection on the following Monday. Stuff went crazy. There was a lot of rumors coming out. I didn't want to record shot selection and have something massive happen. Spoiler alert, it didn't, but we're going to talk about it. I didn't want to record it and have something massive happen and then be instantly out of date. And then the free agent window opened up and then the trade window opened up and then the NBA draft happened. And I was just like, look, let's just get it all into one episode and get everything right. <laughs> Which, As a journalist, that matters to me. That's very, very important. But the one thing that did happen that was kind of nice on the day that I thought I was going to record shot selection, I had a chance to go pick up an award that I had won in April. And I'm not even sure how much I've talked about it on this podcast, but I won the Sason Orion Unsung Hero Award for the Ontario Tech Ridgebacks. So initially, I was supposed to win it at the Athletic Gala, but COVID-19 happened, right? When I got contacted, hey, we're delivering them, or you can come pick them up. I said, I haven't left my house in like three days, so I guess I'm going to come pick it up. So I actually went to the Campus Recreation and Wellness Center, picked it up outside, curbside drop-off. They had this huge new, I, at least I hadn't seen it since the last time I was there, they had this huge new picture of Tenny Thompson outside of the Campus Recreation and Wellness Center, and it made my heart happy. But, I mean, wow, it is just, it is really, really weird seeing campus in the state that it's in right now. And there was more people than I thought would be on campus anyways, but it was still like a ghost town. It felt abandoned, you know. If I hadn't had people meet me at curbside, I would have thought that, like, nobody was in there until I went around to the parking lot. It was really, really weird. But it was nice to kind of reflect, because I don't think that I had really absorbed that I had won that award. Like, I got it in April, and it was kind of like, it happened. There was a really nice piece in the Chronicle about me winning it. And it felt like not real. I don't know. It just felt like incomplete to me because I didn't have a physical award to go with it. And now I have this beautiful glass award. You know, my mom has it on her mantle, essentially. <laughs> and I don't know. It, it feels real to me now. It feels like I actually accomplished something. So that's that's a really good feeling. I don't want to hold this up too much longer, but I just want to, you know, give a shout out to the Ontario Tech Ridgebacks. They let me do a lot last year, way more than I had any right to be doing. Chris Cameron, Greg Francis, Christiania Jukin, all the basketball players, even the hockey players that I covered, like anybody who was involved with literally anything that I did the last year, thank you so, so much. And thank you for allowing me to do that. It was honestly, I, I didn't do it for awards. So the fact that I won anything, is, it blows my mind to this day. Let's get into the first story of the day, the NBA draft. And before I get started with my analysis of the NBA draft, I just got to say, I really, really, really miss the old coverage of the NBA draft. And I, I guess this extends out to like the NFL draft and their coverage as well. ESPN especially is really, really bad for it. I don't know. I've heard some rumors that maybe this is like a Disney thing, but I've really... 
I don't know if it's a fever dream, maybe it's a Mandela effect, but I kind of remember them having like actual analysis on the draft in prior years. Am I crazy? And maybe this is just a side effect of having no crowd and you kind of have to play around and create your own content, but it just feels weird to me when you have like unexpected draft picks like Patrick Williams to the Bulls. I didn't really see that one coming. I don't think a lot of people saw it coming. When they cut to the desk, I want to hear, okay, what's the deal with Patrick Williams, right? I'm not the most familiar with him. I assume that people who are just casual watchers of the draft are not that familiar with him. I want to know what it is that he's bringing to the Bulls. And I I felt like I just didn't get that at any point in the draft. I actually, if I'm being really honest with you guys, I actually turned off the draft after a little while because I'm like, look, they're behind Twitter. They're not giving me anything more on the broadcast than what I'm getting on social media. So I just turned it off and just followed it throughout the night. Like it was, it made way more sense to me to actually get analysis through Twitter versus just sitting at a TV and waiting for them to tell me something that happened seven minutes ago on Twitter, which I always find hilarious that the Raptors are like the one leak proof organization, them in like San Antonio. There's always a lag when it gets to their pick and you hear their pick announced on time. And then every other team is like five minutes in advance. It's hilarious to me. That out of the way, let's talk about the draft. The Timberwolves stayed the course and drafted Anthony Edwards first overall in the 2020 NBA draft. I don't, I get it. Like, look, I get it. It's a really tough position to be in for the Timberwolves. Getting the number one overall pick in a year where there's not that one generational talent. There's not even a guy like Blake Griffin where you're like, oh, is he a generational talent or is he just really, really good? There's not, there's not even a Ben Simmons, you know, there's not that one dude that stands out above the rest. You've just got three guys to pick from and they're all flawed in different ways, but they're all good players. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to like undercut them and their achievements. I think they're all great players, but when you look at them through the lens of first overall picks, LaMelo Ball isn't a first overall pick in most years, right? Anthony Edwards is like a solid top five pick for me. He's pretty good. And I, I'm a big fan of him too. I think his game is nice. He's just inconsistent. The stuff I see on tape isn't the same thing in every single tape, which bothers me a little bit. And I think defensively there's a lot of room to grow for him. And of course, James Wiseman, I think, is probably the closest thing in this draft that we had to being that first overall pick, but he played a handful of games at Memphis, a literal handful. It wasn't not enough, not even close to being enough. And it hurt his draft stock too. I think if he played that whole season, he's probably the slam dunk, slam dunk first overall pick. It's not even close, right? But to not have that luxury of that one guy that just sticks out as you have to pick this guy first or you are you know, you're doing a disservice to yourself. I get it. It's tough. You got to pick what you got. And Edwards, I'll uh, do credit to them. I think Edwards fits the need for the team. They don't really have that superstar offensive wing player. I'm not a huge D'Lo fan, but I, he is what he is, right? He's pretty good. So I guess I accept it. <laughs> There's not really a better way to put that. I I, I understand the pick. Right. And you go down number two, Golden State Warriors getting Wiseman, I think is probably going to be the steal of the draft. 
Obviously, now we have the news that Clay Thompson has suffered a torn Achilles tendon and will be gone for the season. That's pretty rough. That completely changes the way that the season looks for them, right? Because with Thompson, you're looking at, we're back. We've got this brand new kid in the low post. He can do some stuff. Clay Thompson's back. Curry's back. Green's back. We're reloading the roster. And then this happens, right? So that that's brutal. I think the one thing that this does do is it gives Wiseman more touches in his first year. So we get to immediately see, like, okay, what can this kid do? And I just want to preference this. Look, it's a short, short offseason. I'm not expecting anything from any rookie this year. No summer league. No preseason. Shortened training camp. Basketball is one of those sports where you can just, like, fit in sometimes. So there's that. I'm still not expecting anything from the majority of rookies. It's going to be a brutal year for them, I think, just if I'm being honest. And obviously third overall, LaMelo to the Hornets, which is probably the best place that I thought he could have landed. I think having a team that isn't in a huge market, you kind of have low expectations. I think it gives LaMelo time to grow where it's not going to be like Lonzo in L.A., or Lonzo wasn't that dude right away in LA and they were like, Oh, what? This guy isn't it? This guy isn't this guy's shot is still weird. We knew that coming out of college, but he, it's not immediately fixed. What? That was an issue for Lonzo. And I Lonzo in New Orleans, he's a great player, in my opinion. Him and Zion are nuts. When they're on the floor at the same time, it's a mixtape. <laughs> like it's wild. So I think there's going to be a similar learning curve for Melo when he comes to the NBA. And, I mean, even if we're talking about what Charlotte's done since then, Gordon Hayward on the books, fully guaranteed for four years at, like, an absurd amount of money. Say what you will about that. But I think it's a good deal for Melo because you're surrounding him with, like, veteran offensive talent that can take some of the load off him when he's not having a great night. And, of course, there's always the chance that Russell Westbrook, and we'll talk about that in a few seconds here, there's always a chance that Russell Westbrook lands in Charlotte as well. And then you have a team with Westbrook, LaMelo, Hayward, P.J. Washington, who was a really good stretch four in his rookie year. That's not a horrible team. That's like a decent sixth seed, seventh seed in the East. And with room to build, too, right? So I, I think that... I think that Mello will be fine there. And especially even if they don't get Westbrook, that's probably even better for his development, right? Because you're giving him more shots, more time on ball. I, I like the pick. And it's not often that I love stuff that Charlotte does. So the fact that I even like the pick, I think, is a really, really good sign. But if we're running down the top five of this draft, and I, I don't want to stick too, too long on the subject because there's so much to cover in the realm of trades and free agent signings. My top five from this draft, I think the Knicks getting Obi Toppin, really, really good for them, right? Hard worker, New York kid. I don't think he's a superstar, and I don't think anybody in this draft is a superstar. But I think that Obi is the kind of guy that you can stick in at the four. RJ's going to hopefully take another step this year. They might get Westbrook. They might get Wall. They're in the discussions for a lot of people. They're cutting money left, right, and center. All other power forwards are on the market right now. 
what the Knicks look like a week from now might not be anything close to what they looked like last year. And I think Obi is a great start to that. So props to them. The Wizards, Denny. Oh, I love him. I love him. And I really want to like tamper people's hype on Denny Avia. He's not Luca, right? And that was the whole pre-draft like hype reel for him. Is he the next Luca? Like, look, he's a tall European who handles the ball and he's a wing player. Like that's similarity snobbed about there. They're completely different. I think that Avdia, he's more of a role player in the sense like you could fit him in and he's going to do whatever you need, right? He's a glue guy. He's probably not going to defend very well in his first year. It is what it is. Like, it's going to be a rough year for rookies, like I said. But I love the pick, especially when you kind of extrapolate like maybe what could happen. There's rumors of a Russell Westbrook for John Wall trade in Washington. Imagine that. Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Denny Advia, Davis Bertans is back. Are you like, mm, that's crazy. That's nuts. That's that's a lot of offensive firepower. And like I said, that's a, that's a fun six seed. That's a fun seven seed. I can get into that, especially if they've got somebody who can anchor that defense at the five spot. Because, look, there's going to be missed defensive opportunities on that squad. But on the flip side, they're going to score about like 126 a game. Like the Wizards were already one of the best offensive teams last year with the depleted roster that they had. So I think that any amount of improvement for them, hey, good for them. I think I feel like Danny Avia, he fits in perfectly there. I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue. You can start him. You can bring him off the bench. Again, rough year for rookies, but hey, I like the pick. I love it. I also want to give a shout out to the Raptors, who I thought nailed their pick. And a lot of people, when Malachi Flynn came up, they were like, who? What? A point guard? And we're going to get into the Fred Van Vliet thing. Look, if Fred Van Vliet left, this was a great pick. Even with Fred Van Vliet still in the house, like I understand the sort of underwhelming nature. Oh, point guard. We've already got two of those. Well, Fred Van Vliet really isn't a point guard for us. He's kind of a shooting guard, right? Kyle Lowry's getting a bit older. And for people that have followed the team year to year to year to year, they really haven't had a third point guard since, like, DeLon Wright left. When they won a championship, their backup point guard was Jeremy Lin. Like, the way that the rotations work out for the Raptors, obviously, Fred Van Vliet gets a lot of time at point guard. Kyle Lowry plays a lot of minutes. So... A third, a quote-unquote third point guard can seem underwhelming, but I think it's going to work out well, especially Malachi is more of a ball handler than Fred Van Vliet, so I think naturally he kind of fits into that backup point guard position a bit easier than Fred Van Vliet does. And then at that same time, he's not a bad shooter. Shot 37% from three last year. And all the game tape that I've seen on him since they drafted him, because if I'm being honest, I really didn't get to work my way down into the 20s this year, which school, I, I honestly schooled this year is nuts. But I like the pick. I think it's going to fit in well. And I think that Raptors fans are going to really, really enjoy having more flexibility at the guard slot. Who knows what this season is going to be like for the Raptors? Honestly, free agency is kind of crazy. But let's talk about that right now since we're going to get into that. 
Free agency is officially underway, and the numbers are rolling in, and some of them are kind of surprising. Let's start with Fred Van Vliet for the Raptors, because this this is a masterpiece performance to me. Bobby Webster, Masai Ujiri, I'm never going to question them again. What a duo. We talked about this a few weeks back. It might have been the first episode, actually, where we talked about the impact of Fred Van Vliet's cap number on the pursuit of Giannis and Tentacumpo. And it needed to be a very, very specific number. It needed to be below $25 million a year. And not only is it below $25 million a year, it's basically perfectly structured. Four years, $85 million a year. If you want to do the math on that, it's about roughly $21 million a year. Now check this out. In the second year, when Giannis Antetokounmpo is on the free agent market, assuming he doesn't sign a Supermax in like about a week, Fred Van Vliet's contract hit actually dips in the second year before rising in the third to fourth years to maximize the amount of cap room that the Raptors have available in the year that Giannis is a free agent. Literal chef's kiss. Like, it's basically perfect. If you're a Raptors fan... You couldn't ask for anything more than that. And it's kind of funny to me that everything that the Raptors do in the next year is going to be viewed through the lens of how does this help the Raptors get Giannis and Tentacumpo? Well, the payoff in this case is really, really obvious. And let's not discount the fact that keeping a guy like Fred Van Vliet in-house, a good culture guy, a guy that wins, hard nose, and from all accounts, he's a good guy. I really don't think there's any downside to re-signing him, even if it doesn't help you with Giannis. And I was honestly surprised that he didn't get more than that. I thought somebody was going to back up the Brinks truck. You know, I got that like impending doom feeling when the Knicks started cutting all their power forwards and freeing up camp space here. And I was like, oh boy, I'm starting to itch. Something's going wrong, you know. Worked out. It really, honestly, it worked out perfectly for the Raptors. So if you're a Raptors fan, get excited about that. The guard rotation is going to be really, really fun this year. I'm super stoked for it. And to wrap up my thoughts on this contract, assuming that the Raptors keep signing people to like one-year deals, maybe you get Hassan Whiteside on a one-year deal now that, spoiler alert, Serge Ibaka left for the Clippers. If they keep everything on the path that it's going, one-year deals, if they trade Norm Powell before the end of this year, they will be in prime position to land Giannis Antetokounmpo in free agency. And that's a lot. I know as a Raptors fan, and I watched Chris Bosh leave, and watching how intentional the Heat moved to get into that position, to sign Chris Bosh, to sign LeBron James, to keep Dwayne Wade, and there's a lot of intentional movement that kind of goes into building a team like that. This contract is one of those intentional moves that sets you up to build a team like that. So two thumbs up from me on to the next contract. Serge Ibaka has left the Raptors and is signing a $19 million contract with the Los Angeles Clippers. He's a good friend of Kawhi. He fits with what they need. They didn't really have that good low post defensive player that they can switch out on the perimeter And unless there's something else coming for the Clippers, they really, really need a point guard. They really need somebody that's going to make that offense run. I don't love it. 
I really don't love it for Serge. I love it for the Clippers. He's just what they need. He fits in that mold. But when you look at the culture of the Clippers, when you look at some of the stuff that's coming out about Paul George and his attitude, I don't love it. But I hope the best for Serge. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great player. And I think in the short term, if you're just looking strictly at fit, it makes sense for the Clippers. I just hope that they're able to fix their culture issues. I hope that they're able to fix their locker room. They really, really need a point guard, and they really, really need to figure out how to bring those guys together in a cohesive manner. Because what we saw last year wasn't good. It was so bad that Montrez Harrell, sixth man of the year, is going to the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Lakers, like, just give me a second here to, to extrapolate this. The Lakers had a pretty poor scoring bench, I would say. A lot of their offense came from LeBron on the floor, Rondo on the floor running the show, getting AD buckets. But when you look at the Lakers bench right now, Dennis Schroeder in a trade, sixth man of the year runner-up. Montrez Harrell in free agency, sixth man of the year. Kyle Kuzma, who's still on the team, shockingly. What? Who stops that? Literally, who stops that? Unless you get something like James Harden to the Nets, which, if that happens, is going to be insane. But unless you get some crazy, crazy trade, like, I, I don't see how anybody in the East can stop that. Even the Bucks. So that just goes to show you, rounding this back to the Clippers, how bad things were with the Clippers. That This caught them off guard from all accounts. Even Patrick Beverly tweeted about it. But I feel like we kind of knew that this was coming because the Clippers weren't going to be able to bring back everybody on their bench, right? So it's going to be pretty interesting. What do they do with Lou Will? Lou Will doesn't really have a great track record with good locker rooms. Are they going to get rid of him? Patrick Beverly, kind of an instigator, possibly a, a guy that disrupting the locker room a little bit with his attitude. Even though he's a hard worker, I love him as a player. Do they get rid of him? Do they get rid of Paul George? Like there, there was talk of Paul George trades going on. Like there's so many weird intricacies that need to work out for the Clippers that I just, I hope it works out for Serge. And speaking of the other Raptors, big man, Marcus Gasol is now being linked by multiple sources to the Los Angeles Lakers. The rich get richer in that sense. If that's true, I mean, that's an incredible fit for Marcus Gasol. That's an incredible fit for the Lakers. But I want to just make sure that Raptors fans know that this is well within the plans for Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri. Both of the big men leaving shouldn't be a shock. It would be really, really hard to keep both of them for a long-term contract and also get Giannis Antetokounmpo next year if that situation arises. So I think you had to expect that you were going to lose one, if not both of them. Where do you look for big men help now? Well, you've got Dwayne Hernandez on the bench. Do you feel like he's ready to go? Probably not. Hassan Whiteside's still out there. Do you want to take a flyer on him? I really wouldn't. DeMarcus Cousins still out there. Do you want to take a flyer on him? I really don't. So they'll have to get creative, and we'll see where that comes into play, who who they peg to fill in those holes. 
I really wish that Tristan Thompson hadn't already signed with the Celtics, but hey, it is what it is. He was he was kind of my dream fill in slot there, but we're probably looking at a one year contract at the center spot. So it might not be the prettiest, but they'll get something there. I believe it. And before we end this podcast, I want to give a shout out to a couple different trades that happened, namely the Phoenix Suns getting Chris Paul and forward Abdel Nader in exchange for Kelly Oubre, who the Thunder have sent off to the Warriors, Ricky Rubio, who they've sent to, I believe he's back with the Minnesota Timberwolves now, and the 2022 first round pick. Basically exactly what the Suns needed. Chris Paul basically transformed his reputation this entire year. When he got traded from the Rockets, there was, ah, maybe he's too old. 44 million isn't an asset. Like, he can't do what he used to do. He's not like a scorer anymore. Well, it doesn't even really matter if he's a huge scorer because you don't have to rely on him for that. He's just a great leader. And not only that, but he's great at making sure people get into the spots that they're going to, making sure that people get open shots, which is going to be great for a guy like Jay, who's going to be out on the perimeter a lot in Phoenix. And a guy like Devin Booker, I I really don't think Devin's greatest asset is his on-ball ability. I think that he's great off the ball, and a lot of the threats that he has gets opened up when you have a guy like Chris Paul who's able to you know, allow Devin to run off screens, allow Devin to get to a spot and know that he's going to get the ball confidently. So I think this is great for Phoenix. Kudos to them. I also have to give a shout-out to the Drew Holiday trade. I think that's about as good of a fit as you're going to get for the Milwaukee Bucks. It's just unfortunate that they seemingly tampered with the Bogdanovich trade, announcing it before they could even talk to free agents. Teams freaked out. They're probably going to get hit with a pretty substantial tampering fine, I would imagine. It's par for the course for the NBA to be like, eh, turn a blind eye to the obvious stuff that the Lakers and Clippers and all the larger organizations do. And then when it comes to the Bucks, it's even though this is so obvious— it's painfully obvious that this was tampering. It's still going to be really, really weird when the NBA comes down on this and they're like, oh, you're losing a first-round pick and also we're finding you this monetary amount. And it's just like, you can already see it happening. I, I, I would bet a million dollars on some sort of insane punishment coming down for the Bucks on that. But it's so obvious. How can you announce that when you can't even negotiate with players on their contract yet? That's just lazy. I guess it's more lazy on the person that leaked it and less on the organization because stuff like that goes on so, so much in the NBA that it's just regular practice. So in that sense, it's unfortunate, but you can't be lazy and you can't leak stuff that you know is clearly tampering. So that's unfortunate for them, but the Drew Holiday trade, it's going to be a great fit. Eric Bledsoe, you don't have to deal with that headache anymore. Drew... Even though he's getting a bit older, great defensive guard, great on ball, great off ball. He's going to be able to get shots with or without Giannis on the floor. Highly underrated. I really, really approve of the trade for them in that sense. Not rooting for them, but it's a good trade. And I have to give a shout out to the Hawks. I think they're killing it in free agency right now. Rondo, Gallinari, 
A lot of people don't like him, but Chris Dunn is a great defensive substitution. And on top of that, you have Rondo and Dunn to come in and tag team the guard slots in defensive subs. That's pretty, pretty good. That's elite defense, especially when you have Rondo coaching up guys like Cam Reddish and Hunter. Gallinari, I mean, not obviously not a defensive guy, but Gallinari, he's going to give them options on offense that they didn't have before. So obviously I like what they're doing. The Heat. Obviously, they lost Jay Crowder. That hurts. But you gain Avery Bradley, another defensive guard that can shoot threes. You, you bring back Drajic, who would have been a huge impact player in the finals if he was healthy, at least in my opinion. You also get Mo Harkless, who's a really underrated defensive role player, fits right into that system. I think they're bringing guys back, and they're refining the system that they have. I like what they're doing. Kudos to them. I also have to give a shout-out to the Pistons, not even just for free agency. Killian Haynes, I think, is a great draft pick, really underrated. Offensively, he's a stud. If they can coach him up, he's going to be great. DeLon Wright is back with his longtime head coach, Dwayne Casey. And not only that, I think people are going to majorly overlook this, but Jalil Okafor, so fun as a player, so, so much fun as a player. So I'm excited to see what he does there. I'm hoping they give him some burn. Mason Plumley as well. So... It's looking good for the Pistons. I think if they're able to keep Blake Griffin healthy, and that's the key, and even if Blake Griffin is healthy, if Blake Griffin is still Blake Griffin, I think they're going to do pretty well. Honestly, it's going to be really interesting for me. I think maybe next week I'll start doing some projections and see where I slot people in for possible playoff slots and preseason rankings and stuff like that. I have a lot of teams that I have pegged as like, Fun seven to six seeds. Will all of them pan out? Probably not. So I have to do some thinking about that. But we'll go into this more next week. And now it's time for the outro. Thank you for joining us on this week of shot selection. It's been an insane week of basketball news. Next week, I think we're going to have a clear picture of what everything looks like. It's kind of hard to extrapolate how I feel about things in the middle of them happening. So I tried to break everything down as best as I could. Obviously, I didn't get everything because of time constraints, but I'm really, really excited. It feels like the NBA is starting up. It feels like we're getting into gear. It's hyper-accelerated. Everything's happening at once. It's it's insane. And then less than a month from now, we have NBA basketball to watch. Mind blown. That's incredible. But make sure to tune in next week right here on Riot Radio. I'll be back. I'll be talking about more NBA news and stay tuned for more great content right here on Riot Radio.